We left you off in a fun place. Did we have a good utterance last time or what? Yeah, we did. And so we're, are you expecting tonight? Go ahead and read the scripture. Oh, I'm reading? You're reading. Um, <clears throat> can they put it out the Amplified Classic? Oh, it would help if I told you what. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start at verse uh, 21. Amplified Classic. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. You want to stop? Nope. All right, let's move on. 22. Wives, be subject, be submissive, and adapt yourselves to your own husbands as a service to the Lord. And that's as far as we got last week. Uh, but I want you to know, ladies, he's asking you to submit yourself, to subject yourself to your own husbands, not because you're inferior. Amen. Not because you were created less than. Not because you're a perpetual minor or a child who can't do on your own. No, go back and listen last week. We talked about and we looked in Genesis at why a woman was created. We tore those words down to see what God was really talking about. I tell you, he, when he said that she is a help for him, it is not uh, an helper like, you know, here's a tool, darling. No, that word is used 21 times. I don't have my notes here. I left them home tonight. Uh, in the um, uh, Old Testament, uh, two of them are there referring to Eve in that chapter we were looking at. Uh, four, three, three or four, what did I tell you last week? Three or four of them uh, have to do with when Israel was in trouble uh, and they were being besieged and they called other nations to come help or rescue them. You wouldn't call someone who's less than Amen. if you already can't get out of the mess you're in. Uh, and so it implies strength. It implies somebody who has a strength uh, in an area that they don't have. Uh, and the other, whatever, however many times, 16 times. Uh, thank you. Good notes. I'm impressed with you. Uh, it refers to God himself as our helper. Amen. No one would dare say he's inferior. Or, you know, uh, incapable of doing anything. But women, we're to be a strength to our husband. But here in this verse, he said, be, be subject, be submissive, and adapt yourselves as a service to the Lord. Amen. Just because we needed order. God chose to make it this way. All right? And he's asking, as a favor to me, ladies, can you just let him lead? As a favor to me. So there's order. Anything with two heads is a freak. Do you understand? If I never yielded, how many of you know I'd be pulling one way and he'd be pulling another perpetually? We would never even try to work at unity because who cares? No, God cares about unity. God cares about order. Now listen, guys, in my estimation, you got the tougher job. Because when this, these portions of Scripture talk about, you know, uh, this is uh, true of Christ in the church. Marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. You have, you are representing Christ. People should be able to look at you and how you interact with your spouse and your family and see Christ. Amen. How he is with us. Well, let me ask you a question. Does he force us to submit? No. He doesn't. Does he treat us like we're inferior? He doesn't. We respond to his overtures of love because he loved first. 
Where am I going? 23. Uh, 23. Uh, we should move on. He, I can see it in his eye. Move on, Rhonda. We, if we stay there, we'll never get beyond that verse. Okay. <laughs> For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church himself, the Savior of his body. Do you want to jump here? Yeah, go. we'll go from here. So God said, the word of God says, the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. So nobody is in question of Jesus is the head of the church. He's the author, he's the finisher, but he's Jesus. He's the head of the body. We're his body, and he's the head. There's no question about that. So here's the beginning of the picture you and I are to get of the marriage that the husband is the head because of order. Uh, anything without a head, is you're not going anywhere. Because the body of Christ, so we are one with God, we are one with Jesus, but he is the head, he is the lead, but we are the body. But the body needs the head, but the head needs the body. And the two are one. You know, we don't have any, uh, you know, if you saw a bouncing head going around here, you would all think that's, a, that's, that's bad. And if you saw a body running around with a head, you'd think that's bad. And so, so huh? Without a head. Without a head. That's what I meant. Okay, so the husband's the head of the wife. He's Christ's head of the church, himself the Savior. But let's get to the next verse. Well, hold on. Go. Oh, go. I? Yeah, oh, go. Oh, oh, oh. Um, hold up. A head. The head. A head of a river is what? Where the flow comes from. The head of the river is where the flow comes from. How many of you know Christ is where the flow comes from? In our relationship with him. In the same way, the husband is the head, where the flow comes from. Next verse, 24. Or 20, yeah. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject to their husbands. How many of you know it doesn't say women to men? Amen. Women, just be subject to that men. That's not what it says. As a favor to the Lord, wives... Also be subject to your husbands in everything. All right. Are we moving on? Yes. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So you remember when we talked about how husbands, you are not to tell your wife to submit. As a matter of fact, her submission is really none of your business. Okay. We'll say it again. Her submission is none of your business. It's really not anything you can make her do. I've seen people try, but it's just like this. You know, if if the the picture is right, then if you got out of order, Jesus would make you submit. In other words, he would make you do something you don't want to do. And he doesn't. As a matter of fact, he can't because he's given you a what? A free will. And so every wife, every wife who is born, every married you know, couple who are born again, born again believers, the wife has a free will. And so it would be wrong for you. Now, we do this occasionally just for fun. You know, I'll say to her, I'll have her do something. I'll just say, I'll look at her and say, woman, submit. I won't call her Ron. I'll say, woman, submit. He's and, just teasing And me, she'll say, man, love me, because this is what we're going to get to. But see, we've done this a long time. So there are a lot of husbands who get frustrated and say, my wife won't submit to me. Can you make her? Well, I can't make her, and you can't make her, and Jesus can't make her. It is something she's going to have to decide on her own 
with her relationship with the Lord, she's going to have to have a revelation of the word of God, and she willingly will do that. Now listen, what Pastor Rhonda was saying about how the husbands have the harder part, but it says right here. Now on the other hand, it says, husband, love your wives. Wives, you have no business telling your husband to love me like Christ loved the church. That is not up to you. That is not up to you. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah, but, no, but. This is what the word says. This is how it teaches. Maybe you haven't heard it this hard before because you think, well, you know, somebody can. Well, anybody that will subject themselves to the Lord, the Holy Ghost will help them. But it ultimately, everything comes down to will the wife submit willingly to her husband as unto the Lord? Or will the husband love his wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her? And so I want to go through, unless you want to do anything else, I'm ready to go through. I'm going to go through. That word there is agape. Husbands agape your wives as Christ agape the church. So he's going to go to 1 Corinthians 13, Where's yes? Where's my paper? I don't know. Here. Nope, that ain't it either. I only brought my own notebook. It was in Ephesians 5. It's right here. Okay. So Ephesians 5 tells us husbands love your wives. Every, every husband in the room say, I'll love my wife like Christ loved the church. Doesn't that sound good? Say it again. Say, I love my wife like Christ loved the church. And so how did Jesus love the church? First of all, anybody know John 3.16? For God so... So he loved the world, and so what did he do? He gave first. Now listen, y'all. I don't know, you know, men, if you've ever shared the word before, but this is easy to preach, harder to do. Because it's easy to get up and say, you ought to do this, you ought to do this, you ought to do this. But tell me, as someone who preaches it and tries to live it, it's not easy to love. What does it mean for a man to love first? It means, well, I'm just waiting on her to respond to me. She's the one that did the wrong. She's the one that said something crossways. She's the one. So I'm waiting for her to come back to me. That's not what the, that's not the, that's not the love of God. Y'all hear? That's not agape. That's not the love of God. Listen, y'all, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, and you're going to need it. I said the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, and you're going to need it. Because this is not something, if you want a supernatural marriage, if you want to be a reflection, uh, and we need a reflection in the world today uh, of uh, Christ in the church, that's not to say there's not some problems. But what if my man won't do this? What if he, Pastor Mark, what if he's not even saved? What if he's not going to do this? Then you do your part, and then you let God make up for all the other parts. But you can't make someone, well, I wish my husband was here. I do too. But that's not going to fix this. All right? Well, I'm going to make him listen to this. Well, you, you, you can try. But until, so how do I do that? I'll just start with this. You just pray for him. Ask the Lord to reveal himself to him. Ask the Lord to reveal to him, reveal to my husband. You could say it this way, ladies. Reveal to my husband the love that you love him with. And let him experience that love. Because after you do, you're able to give it. He loved me first. What else did he do? Well, he loved me when I was rotten. He loved me when I was a sinner. He doesn't love me anymore. This will mess with you. But he doesn't love you anymore today than he did when you were living in sin. 
He doesn't love you anymore. Why? His love's unconditional. The other thing is love is, it's never earned. In marriages, we try to make people earn stuff. It's never earned. It's unconditional. He loved first. I love this one. Jeremiah 31.3 says, he loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he says, with that loving kindness, he draws. And so, uh, so there's all kinds. Of, um, another one I wrote down was, um, uh, he loved me when I was a sinner. Um, uh, in John 15, 13, Jesus said this, John 15, 13. Uh, the word of God says, greater love hath no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. Well, you don't have any better friend than your wife. And so what are we, so Jesus laid down his, did he lay down his life? Now you see, listen y'all, okay, you can, you can get a t-shirt saying I'm laying down my life, but there's one thing to say it, there's another thing to do it. And you can't do this on your own, because we still have flesh. And if you do something, if she does something to me, I want her to do something first. I, I, it's. And you say, well, uh, how does that work? It works by faith. And it works for me because I've taught this so long. The Holy Ghost will say, you remember? You remember? And, and so what happens? If you do it, how many of you know it was the goodness of God that drew you? Is that right? It's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that draws. So um, I, I love this. Do you remember in Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39, it talks about the love of God? Um, I, I say it like this. It's a love that never lets go. It's a love that never lets go. Um, uh, it's a, so let me give it to you again. It's first. What is this God kind of love? How does Christ love you and me? He loved us first. Number two, it's unconditional. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. I don't love you because I, I, I choose to love you, not because of what you've done or currently doing or not doing. It's unconditional. Will this work? Will this love work the other way? It, it definitely will. Should you be walking this kind of love all the time? Sure. That's the, this is the agape that's shed abroad in our heart. But very specifically with this, the Lord has asked the wives to submit. But, but then he's told husbands, you love your wife a certain way, not a worldly way, not phileo, agape. And what is that? It's unconditional. It's, ever, uh, it's everlasting. Um, it's undeserving while we were yet sinners. It's self-sacrificing. First um, John 3, 1 talks about he freely bestows it. He freely it never, he never lets go. Uh, so that's the kind of love. And then, of course, you could look, and I don't know if we're going to look, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Of course we will. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8, Amplified Classic. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The love walk teacher will take over. <laughs> love, this agape love he's telling us to, to telling the husbands to love his wife with. Um, because this is the way Christ loves us. You should really meditate on this from the aspect of this is how Christ loves me. Because when you realize he is patient, he loves you unconditionally. 
it'll change how you see yourself and him. Anyway, agape love endures long and is patient and kind. It never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious and does not display itself haughtily, verse 5. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, aren't you glad he said it's already in there? Amen. Does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Verse 7, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. He said, uh, so he's saying to us, he's asked the ladies, he's asked, to the wives, as a favor to me, submit. I need you to submit to your own husband as unto the Lord. And then right after that, he says, now husbands, what I need you to do is love your wife with agape the way I love you. And this is the deal. If you really think about it, when you encounter the love of God, how many know the love of God is a revelation that keeps growing when you figure out how much he loved you, when you figure out there's agape towards you, it really will change everything. Because I know he loves me, I trust him. If he asks me to do something, even if I can't figure it out, and I know it's him, either in the word, definitely I know it's him, or if he speaks to my heart, I can trust him. So when I trust him, even if I can't figure it out, it's not hard to come under. That's what submission is, coming under, yielding. So I'm going to yield to him. Now, we can't go back and reteach everything we did last time, but I'm, I'm just saying that But what happens is this. As a husband rightfully loves his wife with agape. I need to stop here because I, I hear I hear it. I get it. Listen to me. You can see Pastor Mark, you're standing up there, and you and Pastor Rhonda are doing this, and that's great, and your marriage is wonderful. But my husband doesn't love me like Christ loves the church, and it's frustrating, and it's hard. I get it, and I have compassion for you, and I understand that. And you can only can do your part. You can pray. You can believe God. You can ask God for, to give him revelation. And, and, and he's going to have to do his part. You can't do it for him. You can't, you can't, you can't harass him into it. You can't beg him into it. You can't uh, uh, manipulate him into it. You may maybe not even can't even uh, and yourself love him into it. He's going to have to do it. But I'm telling you this. I know God. You know God. And if the Lord, if you're in a marriage and the Lord and you're and you are and you need to stay in it and you do, uh, if if you you all possibly can, that God will make it up. God will come to your rescue. God will help you. Um, listen, listen to me. Some woman in this room needs to listen to me. If God can take a man named Saul. And turn him into a Paul. 
He can take your honey. (laughs) The man you thought you was marrying and turn him into the one God has ordained him to be from his mother's womb. It is not impossible. It is not too hard. And all you have to do is keep doing your part. Now, now men, I'm going to back talk to you. I'm, gonna talk about, I'm not going to back talk you. I'm going to talk to you. This is not something you can do on your own. But if you do this as a man, maybe your wife uh, has lost confidence in you. Maybe uh, things have been rough. Or maybe things have been great for all 40 years you've been married. You can always up the love. You can always up this and cause this to work even better. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will help you. And the more you meditate. So as a man, I should be meditating on this a lot. Because I'm going to love my wife like Christ loves the church. So I'm going to love her first. I'm going to love her with an everlasting love. I'm going to love her unconditionally. I'm going to lay down my life for her. Amen. And when I do that, then what's the response? The same response you and I give Jesus. Trust. Full submission. Coming under. Why? Well, Jesus is who Jesus is, yes. But he's given us this same love. Just like he left his peace with us, he also put his love, his agape, on the inside of us. It can be done. doesn't matter what happened yesterday. doesn't matter what happened five years ago. doesn't matter what happened ten years ago. It can be done if we do it, if we'll practice agape, if we'll, if we'll do it. But, but it says here, very carefully, husband, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And then it goes on to say some other things, but, but can you all see that? So what's my part? What's the husband's part? My part is to believe God for a greater revelation of love and then to act on it. And when the Holy, you do something that's not love, you ask the Holy Ghost to teach you. And he will if you, if you really ask him. Lord, uh, you know, help me when I'm not showing your love to my wife. Help me. Now, girls, if you ain't married yet and you're dating somebody and the love of Christ, this love is nowhere to be found, you need to say, hit the road, Jack. Next, because you can't, can you see clearly, you can't fix someone. No missionary dating. I'm going to save them and sanctify them and get them filled with the Holy Ghost and take them and raise them as my very own. You're wrong. You're very wrong. (laughs) Very wrong. Yeah, but he's... I don't care what he is. Uh, you got to stick with this. And then, fellas, listen to me. The more you do this and make it a daily practice, a lifelong practice, the more harmony and unity will be in your home. And you got to realize that this is just between you and the Lord. This is between you and the Lord. Lord, teach me to love her like you love me. Show me when I'm not loving her like you love me. And you'll find yourself when you say something or do something or think something, he'll deal with you. And what do you do? Okay, Lord, forgive me. Okay, we're going to work on that. We're going to do it. Then, then do it. And then it creates something. It creates an environment. Listen to me. When you submit to Jesus, basically nothing's impossible for you. Amen. Why? Because when the devil shows up, you're resisting 
instead fast in the faith because you've submitted yourself unto God. So the devil's no longer an issue. Amen. And then when you walk in the word, you're walking in the spirit. So then your flesh is no longer an issue. It just really does help a lot of things. Um, but it's something that has to be practiced ongoing daily. Can you share what the Lord uh, told you about that guy when we were coming home on the airplane? On the mission yeah, trip, I can. On the mission I think trip. it's later. but oh, I'm sorry. No, it's good. No, if you feel like it's good, it's good right here. So I was coming home on a trip, and this guy really did not treat his wife well. And I was, you know, church was a lot smaller back then. We were closer to a lot of folks. And so I was praying for him. And the Holy Ghost, uh, I got to talking to him. And the Lord revealed something to me. Because, uh, I mean, you know the scripture says, love your neighbor. There's no closer neighbor than your wife. Love your neighbor how? Later it goes on to say, if, if a man loves his body, um, he'll nourish it and cherish it. Right? And so um, a lot of times with some men, and, no, and men are not, you all know most men are not touchy-feely. No matter what they're trying to do to us in society out there, most men are not touchy-feely. They don't live, you know, they're not really emotional all the time. Or they don't like to, you know, to admit things. But the Lord spoke to me and he said the reason he can't love his wife is because he hates himself. He hates himself. See, the devil is a big influencer of you hating yourself, you being negative to yourself, you, your self-talk. Um, uh, I know this one. <laughs> I used to do it. it was, I, I was so negative to myself to try to motivate myself to greatness, but it's really a ploy of the devil. It's a really huge trap. You can't be mean to yourself and hate yourself and love the closest neighbor, which is your wife. Because you don't even cherish. I mean, we're the temple of the Holy Ghost. God lives in us. God lives in and And he loves us and we love him. But one of the things that you'll, you'll notice, what is that old saying? Hurt people hurt people. Right? I mean, so if you don't like yourself, if you hate yourself, if you're always mad at yourself, if you're always condemned, then you're going to be uh, free with your mouth to condemn others. Or if you're hurt, you're going to be quick to hurt somebody else before they hurt you or you allow yourself to be hurt. So it's very important, you know, and men, we don't talk about this very often, but you need to get your broken heart healed. You need to get your soul bound up because it's not really just about you. It's not about you. And then if you've got young kids, you don't want to raise them up that way. And even if you've got teenagers right now, if you've got young adults, it's never too late for mom and dad to get it together and start loving each other in front of them. It's never too late. Don't let the devil lie to you. It's never too late. Listen to me. He restores years. I, I can't figure it out. I just know that he does it. Yeah, but. Forget the but. And yeah, he does restore years. He restores years. So quit, quit, quit going back to saying, well, yeah, but we lost all that. You haven't lost anything yet unless you give up. Amen. He'll restore years to you. Now, I can't wait. Hallelujah. I just last thought, if a man loves a woman like that, 1 Corinthians 13, where he's not selfish, makes every decision based on what's best for the family unit, there's not a woman in the world who couldn't submit to that. We, you know, love, we put each other first. I'll tell you funny, some of you have heard this many times, but 
Uh, when we got married uh, 28 years ago now, it will be November, it will be 28. So we went up, you know, thank God for the few people we had in the church. We were able to get, um, we, we had cheap hotels. You know, have you ever been to Gatlinburg? You know, the, the $10 night ones? We had, we had a few of those, but we had, we had you know, like one good one, right? We had a, we had a, a Patty Ann's Cabin. Do you remember? I do. And um, we were up there in the Smoky Mountains, and uh, we found some restaurants. You know, we'd, people had blessed us with money so we could go out to eat and stuff. And uh, so we, uh, my wife is so sentimental. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so she likes to do things over. We even have a plate from the burning bush. Where it's we not had, there anymore, but uh, we had to go it, there it, first it, every time we went to the Smokies because that's the first place we ate on our honeymoon there. So we got this. So I'm trying to love her like Christ loves the church. So I'm trying, love prefers one another, right? And so when we'd go up there, because we kept going up there and up there until Destiny grew up and, thank God, helped us go to the beach. Hallelujah. So, uh, but, um, so now we go to the beach. But um, we would go to this mountain. You've all, you've, uh, this, this restaurant, you've all probably been there before. Everybody know the mill? It's the one with the mill in it, and they have all the things. And so, I mean, every year, besides that place until it burnt down, we'd go to the mill every year, every year. And we did this seven, eight years probably. And so after that, I was like, I looked at her and said, okay, now we've gone to your favorite restaurant. Let's go to mine. And she looked at me, and she's like, this is not my favorite restaurant. <laughs> this is your favorite restaurant. I'm like, this is not my favorite restaurant. This is not her favorite restaurant. We went seven, eight years trying to prefer one another. So you ought to, you ought to talk about it, how, what, what really blesses you. Because that was seven, eight years, we will knock you back. And, uh, and it's I not thought I horrible. was preferring him, and he thought he was preferring me. So. Over and over and over again. Now, that corn chowder, though, is pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, all right. So, but, but that's what love does. And even if you're not getting the response back, men, prefer them. Love on them. And ladies, love never fails. Even though here we're talking about husbands love your wife, love never fails. Never. And never means never. And you've never walked in love that God wasn't able to move off of it. People have to respond, but at least you know I'm doing everything within my power. And men, if you do this, then I think what, you, what happens is what Jesus did. He creates an atmosphere for us to submit. And we do, and from that we resist the devil. From that place we live. We humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. He exalts us. All that happens spiritually that way. And then in a marriage, if you and I as men, as husbands, will do this, then it makes it just the same way. It makes it uh, uh, very pleasing, very uh, easy atmosphere for the wife then to submit herself to husband. The Lord told her to do it anyway, even if he don't do it. He said, women, you submit, not re it's not on him, but then he, then he changes the conversation. Husbands, you do this no matter what she's doing. But if both of them are doing what they're supposed to be doing, then you'd be having heaven. Amen? I want one last thought. And even though I'm way more sentimental than he is, yes. he tolerated the burning bush every year. But let me tell you how it paid off for him. Because oh. every time I'd go there, I'd be thinking, oh, this is where I went on our honeymoon. It's just so sweet. It put me in a honeymoon frame of mind again. Are you with me? Mm. 
My mother's in here. I know it. Our daughter's in here, too. That's why I'm speaking okay, okay. ubiquitously. Oh, that's a big word. <laughs> I think what? I used that right. I'm not sure. i got to look it yeah, up. I'll look it up a, later and see if I use the word right. The but. source word. Go ahead. <laughs> but you understand, yeah. in, the, in the long run, it paid off. All yep. right? All right. Anyway, here we go. Um, 26. I'm just saying. Mm. <laughs> so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Okay. We need to wash each other with the word. I say about him what God says about him. He's a godly man, running after God with all of his heart. I say I wash him with that word. You know, we had some uh, pastor friends, and, and I won't name names, but she got up in the pulpit and told this story, so I'm not really telling out, but you don't know who it is anyway. But um, she said before they married, she had a really sharp mouth, and she was really cutting with her words. And, and uh, they were not born again when they got married, but they came into the church shortly after they married, got born again, and ultimately entered the ministry. But um, as she was just learning the things of the word, um, you know, she, they heard a sermon about the power of your words and how you need to be careful what your mouth is saying. Um, and so uh, uh, he would say to her, honey, uh, you know, I believe the law of kindness is on your tongue. Every time she was sharp, he would say, you know, I know you're a godly woman and the law of kindness is on your tongue. But she said at first it made her mad because she said, I know what you're doing. I heard that sermon. Um, but he was just, he was washing her with the word. I know that's who you really are, honey. Uh, and so eventually she said it got to the point where before she would even go to say it, it would come to her head. And it helped her curb her, the, the meanness of her tongue by washing each other with the word. And you know what, ladies? We can say, I know you're a godly man. Uh, and, you know, I know that you want to do right and be right and let's, you know, whatever. Um, so anyway, uh, we wash each other with the word. Amen. All right? And if you don't know any word, you can't wash. So find some things that pertain. Amen. Find some things that pertain and do it. And it uh, goes both ways. I mean, he's mostly still talking to the husbands here, but it goes both ways. Sanctifying, cleanse by the washing of the water with the word. I mean, how do you know the word will bring peace into a, to a, to a situation? Um, the word will speak encouragement to them. And it doesn't always have to be in direct relation to a marriage situation or an argument or anything. It could just be in life. And you don't have to know everything. Just have Holy Ghost, give me one good thing from your word to say. And then you just, you just kind of camp on it. But it's a Holy Ghost word, so it's a rhema word. It's something uh, that they don't know. You know, um, there's a lot of times husbands and wives, um, we don't know what each other are going through. Even though you're supposed to tell each other everything, there are just sometimes that maybe you're going through something. You don't know how to verbalize it. Um, but the Lord knows your heart. He knows the good things. He knows the bad things. He knows everything you're going through. And I'll give you this example. Um, it doesn't have to do with sanctifying it with the word, but stick with me. Um, uh, my wife is, um, let's just say, difficult to buy for for Christmas. She doesn't want anything. She doesn't need anything. She's always been that way. Even when you had great needs, she still didn't need anything or want anything. So I did this. I would ask the Lord, you know her. 
I thought I knew her, but I can't get nothing out of her. What does she want? And we have had some supernatural things for Christmas that the Lord's told me to do. And my point is that when it comes to washing each other with the word, you might look at it outwardly and say, this is what they need. So I'm going to take this scripture and I'm going to scrub you down with it. (laughs) Please don't do that. That's like taking the word with a knife and, and filleting <laughs> yeah. somebody. I'm going to scrub you down like lava soap. <laughs> oh, but what you really need to do is, Lord, give me a word from your word that I can minister to them and speak over them. You don't need 50. Just start with one. And you can do it behind their back, not even to their face. Yeah, just <laughs> confess over them. and then. But the more you do that, and then there will be opportunity that you can share uh, or, or speak it to them in a right way. I mean, you know, um, when, uh, when you have children, um, you should say over them, you have undisturbed composure. What is that we used to say? You used to say. Uh, yeah. You're a disciple of the Lord. Uh, Taught it's of the a Lord. scripture, yeah. I'll have to use your name. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I used to say, Destiny Garver is a sweet, loving, obedient child who is kind, considerate, and cooperative. She has great peace and undisturbed composure because she's a disciple of the Lord. It's a compilation of scriptures. I used to confess it over her all the time. But you can do that. You can do that not only with your ch- children, but you can do that with your spouse. And you can do it and believe that. Ask the Lord to give you something. There is, there are, there are words. The word always works, but there are rhema words from the word. And again, I just this is my heart really strong. You may not every go know everything she's going through or he's going through, but the Lord knows. The Lord knows, and He can help you. And you know what? During or after, just maybe a realization comes of what you've been going through and you didn't even know. When you begin to talk about this, is what I've been praying over you. This is what I've been confessing over you. I think that most people would uh, be thrilled with that. Yeah. And I will say, um, this works with other people too. Yeah. I had a nephew who at a very young age had some scary anger issues. And so I began to say to him, uh, instead of saying, you know, you're going to end up in prison before you're 20, like who was being said to him by other people. I said what I said over her, over him. You know, you're a sweet, loving, obedient child who's kind, considerate, and cooperative. You have great peace and undisturbed composure. And after a little while, he came back to me and he said, Aunt Rhonda, what was that thing? What was that kind and considerate thing you say? Uh, He was beginning to get in him. Uh, And you know what? He turned out okay. He ain't been in prison yet that I know of anyway. So... uh, you know, but you can use it over other people anyway. We gotta, we gotta move on. Wash each other. Wash everybody with the word. Just wash them all. Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> Verse twenty-seven. Verse twenty-seven. That he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and faultless. Verse twenty-eight. Even so, husbands should love their wives as being, in a sense, their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. Want me to go? Go. Okay. Uh, he who loves his wife loves himself. Uh, women, uh, men are initiators, generally speaking. Women are responders. So whatever you give your wife, men, oh, yeah. she's going to give back to you. 
Pastor Watts, uh, Pastor Billy Joe Watts said it this way. It, when a man gives a seed to a woman, uh, she takes it inside her body, and what does she do? She multiplies it, multiplies it, multiplies it, it becomes a baby, and nine months later, she presents him with a child. She, she took what he gave her and multiplied it. Well, it works the same way in all areas. You know, if a husband gives his wife kindness and consideration and love, then what does she do? She takes that inside and she multiplies it and multiplies it and multiplies it and gives it back. So when he loves me, he's really loving himself because what he sowed into me, he's going to get back from me to him. Do you, do you understand? Well, it's like the scripture, give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run it over. So your closest neighbor, your, your wife, be careful what you're giving because she'll shake it down. You know Run it right. over and give it back unless she's a very sanctified woman and knows how to keep her body under control. And she should. But I'm just the temptation is there, so why, why do that? But that's the principle here is we should love our, love our wives as we love our own bodies. And this is what I told you before is you men... Um, we don't talk about it maybe as much, but if you've got something in your soul, if you've got something you're, uh, that has damaged you, if you've got something that hurt you, just pushing it down and covering it up will not work because it will affect your wife and not only your wife, your children. And, and you know, uh, maybe you know somebody like this. Well, Pastor Mark, what do I do? He needs to hear this, but he's not hearing this. Then pray, Lord, open the eyes of his understanding. Give him revelation, understanding and insight that he knows. Lord, send men across his path that are good husbands, that love you, and they love their wife like Christ loves the church, that he'll listen to. It's, it's never over unless you say it's over. It's never without hope unless you say it's without hope. It doesn't mean that it's not difficult. It doesn't mean that you can't talk to others about it. You know, um, you you can but but the word works here and a husband so husbands that are in the room listen to me if you'll do this if you'll love your wife I, I understand that the way the best way you do that is to make sure that you're saved sanctified filled with the holy ghost you're emotionally well you're healed you're whole and um and then when you when you do that then you're able to love your neighbor your wife as yourself and honestly, ladies, the greatest gift you can ever give your husband is to pray for him. You know, tons of people pray for my husband, and I'm ever so grateful for all of you who pray for us and pray for him. But he can tell when I pray. Why? Because we're one. There's a level of authority uh, that you have that you can use on his behalf. You're one. You're one. So what is the other half of you need? Fight for it in the spirit. Fight for your kids. Fight for your husband. If you're not going to do it, who's going to do it? Anyway, uh, move along. Verse 29. We'll stop there after this one. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes and carefully protects and cherishes it as Christ does the church. I looked those words up. Nourish is um, to nurture, to promote the growth of, to feed, to maintain, and to support. Uh, to cherish is to hold dear, to feel or show affection for, to keep or cultivate with care and affection, or to nurture. How many of you know that's what Christ does for Amen. us? 
And that's what we're so, the husband is supposed to be doing for his wife as well, nurturing and cherishing and protecting. 